great seeing you, Dominic. You know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say you need to talk to Dominic Carter because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Well, don't be too disappointed, but this is not Dominic Carter. This is Frank Morano sitting in for Dominic for the hour. It's funny, I was listening to another radio program yesterday where uh, a fellow was filling in for the usual host. And this was not somebody with a typical radio background. And uh, the person filling in said, "Ah, my name is blank. You may recognize me or you may not recognize me. And I said to my wife when he said that, I said, couldn't that literally be said of any person anywhere on the face of the earth? So I like it, though, because it's one of the few things that you can say which is undeniably true and which cannot be argued with. Argued with. So I decided I would adopt it for tonight. I am Frank Morano. Some of you may know who I am. Some of you may not know who I am. I think that now covers everybody. Now, uh, I am first and foremost, in addition to being the host of The Other Side of Midnight, which you hear every morning from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., I am first and foremost a fan of talk radio. Since I was eight years old, I have been addicted to talk radio, not only on this station, but in all of its forms. And I remember the disappointment that I would have when one of my favorite hosts would take the day off and there was some schlub filling in for him. Didn't matter how good the schlub was, but in my view, there was no one that could compare with Rush Limbaugh, with Bob Grant, with John Gambling, with Jay Diamond. Uh, Howard Stern never really had a fill-in. They would always usually do a best of when I would be listening. But uh, the point is still the same. Now, keeping that in mind, you need to understand that I have spent my whole life preparing for this hour. What do I mean by that? Well, Dominic is the foremost expert in New York politics, and he has been for a long time. I've known Dominic for about 20 years. I got to know him initially by being a guest on his uh, show when he was the anchor of uh, Inside City Hall on New York One. Did a great job there. But for the last, for my entire life, I have been involved in the nitty-gritty of New York politics, worked on more campaigns than I could count, and I've uh, been involved in the leadership of uh, three, can't believe it's three, but uh, three different minor political parties. Most recently, I was involved in uh, Curtis Lee's campaign for mayor in the primary, not so much the general election. So uh, one of the things that I love about Dominic's show is because he's such an expert on New York politics, he covers it better than anybody. So I don't pretend to hold a candle to Dominic Carter. However, I am going to try to at least hold my own so that those of you who are looking for information, opinion, and a little inside baseball when it comes to the field of New York politics, at least you'll have something that you can listen to for the next hour. Now, um, some big news out of the governor's race yesterday. Uh, when I say yesterday, I mean Tuesday because now it's today. Today is, to paraphrase Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, today is officially tomorrow. So on Tuesday, there was some very interesting news, and uh, I had covered this on the other side of midnight. And I know the, one of Dominic's regular callers, Drew from White Plains, had been hoping for this for a long time. The 
governor's race got a little more interesting because another candidate officially jumped into the race for governor. I'm not talking about Governor George Pataki, who some people are trying to draft as a candidate for governor this year. No, I am talking about GOP businessman Harry Wilson. I'm going to play you some of the audio from his announcement video, but and I'm going to ask you a few different questions because to me, Harry Wilson's entrance into this race is something that raises so many different questions, and we're going to go through some of them. But the first question I want you to think about at 800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC. See, the questions that I think about are the questions I get every Friday morning at 1 a.m. Because we do a segment on the other side of midnight called Ask Frank Anything, where people can ask about any subject. And one of the questions last week, I've literally been thinking about the whole week. I answered it, and I think I gave a comprehensive answer and a thorough answer, but I want to ask you the same question. There's a big race for governor this year. Primaries in June, general election is in November. And whatever happens, as you know from the last, uh, you know, 12 years of Andrew Cuomo being in charge, whatever happens, whoever wins this race for governor, be it a Democrat, a Republican, an independent, they this will have far-reaching consequences to every aspect of New York State society. The economy, higher education, public safety, transportation, COVID restrictions, all of that is going to be significantly affected by whoever emerges as the governor. So what's the question? Here's the question. The question I was asked, and the one I'm now asking you, is... Whether you're Democrat, Republican, independent, or non-political, do you think a Republican candidate has a chance of being elected this year? Why or why not? For governor. Not talking about for state senate, for congress, for state assembly, for county legislator, for county executive. No. In the governor's race, there's now six Republicans running for governor. Without getting into who might have the best shot, who might have the worst shot, which we'll get to, is there a scenario in which a Republican can win? I'll give you my answer, but I want to hear yours. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And then, of course, we turn to Mr. Harry Wilson, a, a very wealthy businessman who in one day has written himself a check for more money than the leading Republican candidate, Lee Zeldin, has raised uh, this entire campaign season. He uh, wrote himself, I believe, a $12 million check. He put out a video officially announcing his run for governor along with the tweet, I'm running for governor to turn around New York. Our state is totally broken. Rising crime, sky-high taxes, closed schools, corrupt politicians. I've spent my career turning around, failing organizations. Let's get this. The reason I am running for governor is that New York is badly broken and in desperate need of a turnaround. Uh, is there any more audio of Mr. Wilson? So the first thing is you always focus on what are our key priorities. So the key priorities have to be the things that matter the most to people across the state. Skyrocketing crime across all of our cities, the highest taxes in the country, um, a rapidly rising cost of living, school shutdowns, uh, and, of course, the corruption in Albany. And so my plan is a turnaround for New York with focus on each of those points. 
So Wilson is not going to be picked at the Republican convention. Uh, Lee Zeldin has looks like he's got a lock on the state committee vote. That means Harry Wilson is going to need to collect the signatures of Republican voters all over the state, as will Giuliani, as will Astorino, as will the other candidates if they want to get on the ballot. Wilson, if you don't know much about him, was born and raised in upstate New York, Johnstown. He earned degrees from Harvard University and Harvard Business School. And essentially, he's worked for Goldman Sachs. He's worked for the Blackstone Group. He's very much a Wall Street guy, and he's an expert in turning around failing companies. Now, here's a question that uh, I want to ask you about Harry Wilson, and I'm going to give you the, my, my answer to the first question I asked you regarding can a Republican be competitive and actually win a gubernatorial election in New York State. I will give you my answer, but I'd rather hear yours. Here's the next question that I'm going to ask you. Is Harry Wilson Michael Bloomberg? In 2020, or is Harry Wilson Donald Trump in 2016? What do I mean by that? Personal wealth um, could help Harry Wilson win the nomination for governor. But much like Mike Bloomberg, who had a limitless amount of money when he ran for president as a Democrat in 2020, Harry Wilson has said and done some things that are going to hurt him. With Republicans, when Bloomberg ran for president, they hung all over him for his support of George W. Bush in 2004, for arresting the protesters uh, that were protesting the Republican National Convention, for uh, using stop and frisk too much against minorities in New York City, for actively campaigning for Republican candidates, for uh, pushing for charter schools. They killed Bloomberg with all this stuff. And Bloomberg couldn't recover. I mean, Bloomberg had a lot of other mistakes he made during the debate, the debates themselves and some other things that he did incorrectly. But he could not recover from that assertion that he was a, a really a Republican, that he was a Democrat in name only. Now, remember, in 2016, they tried the same thing with Donald Trump. Donald Trump had donated to every major Democratic politician. Kirsten Gillibrand, Chuck Schumer, Anthony Weiner, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, everybody. He was personal friends with Bill Clinton. Bill and Hillary Clinton were at his wedding. And uh, essentially, they, they and, and Trump had made a lot of comments that were hostile towards conservatism over the years. He had called for a single-payer health care system. He had called for soaking the rich, raising taxes on the rich to pay off the national debt. A whole bunch of other things that were anathema to conservatives. But for whatever reason, I think mostly because of how Trump handled it and how weak the rest of the Republican field was, none of those attacks stuck to Donald Trump. Now, they did stick to Mike Bloomberg four years later. Now, Harry Wilson also worked for Barack Obama. Uh, He was part of the Obama administration. He was the administrator of the Cash for Clunkers program. And this is something that's going to be devastating to him in a Republican primary. He made a campaign contribution to who's the number one villain in Republican circles these days. He made a campaign contribution last year. It's not as if it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. He made a campaign contribution to Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg. Now, you know Andrew Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, Rob Astorino, and the others – are going to hang that over him like an albatross. 
Can he escape that? Can having essentially limitless amounts of money, because look, he's going to be the only one that's going to be able to afford radio ads and TV ads right away. He's the only one that's going to be able to afford a top-notch field operation. And there's a credible case to be made that he's the most electable candidate in a blue state like New York because he's the only one that's not really associated with Donald Trump. So I want you to answer both of those questions, 800-848-9222, and uh, I'll give you my answers as well. I don't have an answer to the second, but I do have an answer to the first. Question one uh, is, can a Republican, any Republican, win in New York State these days? Question two is, will Harry Wilson be Donald Trump or Mike Bloomberg? 800-848-WABC. Here's a little bit more of Harry Wilson's announcement video. Politicians measure compassion by dollars, meaning we're going to spend X or Y, and whoever spends the most, therefore, is mm. deemed the most compassionate. I, do, I measure compassion by results. If we deliver results for working people, then, then money is well spent. And if we don't, we should rethink it and reevaluate and do something different. I actually don't think that those, uh, those clips are from his announcement video. I think they're in, actually from an interview that he did after announcing. But you get the sense of what his message is going to be. 800-848-WABC. Let's uh, go to LQ in the Bronx. Hello, LQ. Uh, yes. Uh, good morning and mercy to all. Now, the answer to um, your, your question, uh, number one, I guess I believe that uh, Republican uh, can win. Uh, they, to me, very briefly, they would have to uh, go on the highways and byways of the, um, the uh, Hispanic and, and the uh, religious communities right now, right now and get out there. Uh, the answer to number two, I think you're right, uh, Mr. Wilson, because of that, that uh, comment without uh, supporting Alvin Bragg's. They would tear him to pieces. Well, and you're already seeing that from Zeldin and the others. They're already killing him for this brag contribution. What do you think? 800-848-9222, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent. As an observer of the scene in New York State, can any Republican win? Or is the state just changed too much? from the days of electing all sorts of statewide Republicans. You know, not long ago, every office except one was held statewide by Republicans. Those days look like a distant memory. The Republicans haven't won a statewide election since 2002. Do you know who came the closest? Here's a trivia question. Trivia question for you. You know who came the closest? Matt Blaze, any idea who since 2002 came the closest to winning a statewide election as a Republican? As a Republican? Yes. Uh, statewide in New York? Um, I have no idea. No idea. Okay. Well, that was a pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. All right. Uh, the person that came the closest was Harry Wilson. Harry Wilson in 2010 when he ran for New York State Controller. He barely lost to my friend Tom DiNapoli. He got something like almost 49% of the vote. It was a race that was not clear what the outcome was on Election Day. So could Harry Wilson be sort of the mojo that the New York GOP needs? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Douglas is in Brooklyn. Hello, Douglas. Oh, hey. How you doing, Um, 
Unfortunately, uh, I do not think a Republican win a statewide election in New York, in New York State. Um, I just want to say, uh, how much did Eric Adams win New York City by? He got about 70 percent of the vote. 70, 30. Uh, yeah, so most roughly. of the votes come from New York City. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you look at I think any Republican running can ex- statewide can expect to get about 34 percent of the vote, 35 percent, maybe. Now, if you uh, mobilize your base and you do everything right and the Democrat does a lot of things wrong and some things break your way, you could do a little bit better. You can maybe get 38 percent. Trump, when he ran in 2020 and there were a lot of the parts of the state that were mobilized to vote for Trump, Trump got about 37 percent of the vote. So the question is. How do you get the 37 percent of the electorate that voted for Trump and then peel off another 13 percent of the vote or so? That's the question that the GOP needs to figure out. I don't have an answer, but I'm I'm curious for you. Is it even possible for any Republican? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Can a Republican win at why or why not? And will Harry Wilson be Donald Trump or Mike Bloomberg? Let me say hello to Gracie in Rockland County. Hello, Gracie. Hi. Listen, uh, this Harry Wilson, uh, this is the first I hear, heard him speak, and I think he has a very good chance because he has the money. That's the only way that the Republican is going to win. If Harry is willing to spend a lot of money with commercials on the dummy television shows that all the dummies watch, and put his uh, issues forward, because what I heard about crime, even education is important with uh, the charter schools. I know you said something with Bloomberg with the charter schools. Well, they, the I Democrats think. killed him on that when he ran for president in 2020. But you know what? I have to say something. The, uh, he, uh, Bloomberg, he was, you know, he was a good, uh, good mayor, I thought. But for a presidential candidate, he just didn't have the pizzazz. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, now, Wilson sounds better. And with a lot of money, you could do anything. Uh, well, I think you're right on both counts, Gracie. Uh, you know, he's going to be the only candidate that can buy the best staff, the best consultants, a ton of airtime, but as Mike Bloomberg showed, who only won in American Samoa, that doesn't necessarily mean you win elections. 800-848-9222. That's uh, 800-848-WABC. i tell you what the people that are supporting Wilson are looking to him as. They are looking to him as the kind of Republican that wins in blue states. If you look at blue states all over the Northeast... They've they've elected Republicans. You have the governor of Vermont, a Republican. That's a, a, a very blue state. It's the state Bernie Sanders comes from. You have the governor of Massachusetts, a Republican. Governor of New Jersey was almost a Republican. The governor of Virginia, which is a solidly blue state now, a Republican. And they're hoping that uh, essentially Harry Wilson can be the New York answer to Glenn Youngkin. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And then I want to tell you about a fascinating development with respect to the congr- a congressional race that involves our own Curtis Sliwa. I'll bring you up to speed on that. Let me squeeze in at least one more call here. Uh, James is in New Jersey. Hello, James. Hey, Frank. Um, in answer to your questions, first question, yes, I do think a Republican can win. Uh, based on what you said uh, for the answer to question number two, 
No, I don't think it would be Harry Wilson. I kind of think it would be that defining moment like Bloomberg. Well, um, so what would a Republican need to do to win, in your opinion? Well, I kind of think, uh, you know, what Lee Zeldin is doing and also Rob Astorino. Um, I kind of think that with Rob Astorino, uh, what he's doing with uh, the situation that's going on at the airports, which he's illegals coming in, um, I think he's got a good shot, too. But has that ever been a winning strategy for a Republican running statewide? No, but. Right. But so if it's never worked, right, why would it work this time? Um. Based on what's been happening lately, I think, you know, New Yorkers are really getting tired of the crime, uh, the taxes, everything, how New York City has, you know, more or less dilapidated itself. And we need to bring it back. Um, I don't think uh, a Democrat is something that they would be looking at for the governorship for this this election. Well, look, you might be right, James. Look, I I think there are some um, there is some truth to what James just said. But look, if you look at how Republicans have run for statewide office over the last 20 years in this state, they've all run on the same message. Right. They've all run on it costs too much to live here. They've all run on uh, the crime issue. They've all run on um and more recently on the COVID restrictions and the voters of New York state, at least a majority of them haven't been swayed. So if a Republican can win, why what's different this year? If a Republican can't win, why what's different this year? It is interesting. Let me take a quick break and then we'll continue with your calls. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. This is the other side of midnight straight ahead. This is the Dominic Carter program. I'm sorry, I, uh, Nick, I ha- old habits die hard. Uh, a few minutes ago. I said that uh, this was the other side of midnight. Apologies. Uh, the other side of midnight begins at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I will take you until 5 o'clock. You know, the old the old adage, be careful what you wish for, sometimes turns out to be true because the other day I- – I've been saying all week that I wish I had five hours of a talk show to do instead of four, and then I got the call just a few hours ago – saying, um, oh, well, can you fill in for Dominic? (laughs) So now the onus is on me to try and find five hours of compelling things to talk about. By the way, I know a lot of people are asking what happened with Dominic, what happened with Dominic. Uh, Dominic should be back tomorrow. I think he had some minor uh, medical test or something, nothing serious at all. And uh, he's going to be back uh, tomorrow, and uh, he's doing fine. So uh, all, all is fine. Dominic Carter will be back tomorrow. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Jim in Queens. Hello, Jim. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the 12 o'clock. It's great to be here, Jim. Are you in a windstorm somewhere? Boy, I'm putting, you know, it sounds like Jim is uh, on the planet, the ice planet Hoth from the Empire Strikes Back, right? 
I mean, they're going to send uh, they're going to send uh, somebody to go find him, and you be stuck out there in the cold, and you'll have to li- live inside of an animal for for warmth. That's the right rate Jim is going. We'll, we'll try and go back to Jim in a while in a little while because he sounds like he's a, a nice guy and maybe even maybe even uh, an impressive guy. Dave is in Pennsylvania. Hello, Dave. Uh, hey, Frank. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my comment regarding the electability of Republicans in New York, I think, is especially in New York City, is practically very remote because, you know, the Democratic Party, the leadership, the, the way they manage enforcement of, of the criminal law, they don't seem to have a lot of respect for criminal law. I, I, from that, I think you can, you know, extract, uh, uh, take the notion that how much respect and fidelity do they have for election law, especially with well, the how much respect does does who have for election law? Well, the Democratic Party before, because they're the ones who control the election boards. In well, New York. no, n- not in New York. No, in in New York, no. including in New York City, um, for every job uh, that's appointed by a Democrat, there's a Republican that does the same job. There's a, a, a Republican counterpart for every Democrat. The Democrats are not even able to. They're not even. They're not able to take a piece of paper from you without a Republican also there by their side. Well, I'm, and I call for Pennsylvania. My apologies, I, because in here, that, that there's a, a lot of there's a lack of transparency in managing and verifying, validating mail-in ballots, and that's even in Delaware County, where oh, which I'm from. Well, there's a there's a big problem with transparency when it comes to the New York Board of Elections, and a whole bunch of problems with uh, absentee voting in New York as well. Don't misunderstand me, but the problem is not because of. Of um, of one party administering elections, we our incompetence in New York or malfeasance, whatever it is, it's bipartisan. It's not due to one party. It's not due to both parties. If you go on YouTube uh, or elsewhere, my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Morano fan and elsewhere, the battles that I have fought with the Board of Elections over the course of the last 20 years have been legendary. And I've won a couple. But I've lost almost all of them because it's like it's um, the, the it's I hate to use this phrase because it's become so politically charged. But the system is rigged. If you're challenging the status quo, whether you're running as a Republican, a Democrat or a third party candidate, the forces that protect the status quo come up against you every time. Very quickly. And, and I will. Uh, so my answer is I do think a Republican can win. Because, look, a lot of people talk about all the Republicans that have moved out of the state since Pataki won the last time in 2002. Uh, That is true. But if you look at Republican performance in presidential elections as a barometer for the mood of voters in New York State, the now uh, Reagan won. In New York in 84. Bush did well in uh, New York in 88. He got about 47 percent of the vote. But since then, Republicans have not done well here. The Republican that did the best since 1988 was George W. Bush in 2004 in the aftermath of September 11th and the war in Iraq and so forth and a lot of emphasis on national security issues. George W. Bush got 40% of the vote. Now, do you know who was second in every presidential election since 1988? You know who was second? 
Donald Trump in 2020. Donald Trump in 2020, even though he didn't campaign here at all, didn't run a single ad here, didn't send a single campaign mailing here except as a fundraising solicitation, Donald Trump did better than every Republican candidate that's run in New York State since 1988, with the exception of one. So the idea that all these Republicans have just disappeared, it's not true. Uh, New York was always a blue state. It's always been a blue state. And what you're seeing now, um, in part because of some of the issues that the caller in New Jersey outlined, is you're seeing pockets of traditionally Democratic constituencies or traditionally apolitical constituencies vote Republican. Um, Curtis Sliwa, he, he only got 30 percent of the vote citywide, but he got about he won 13 assembly districts, 11 of which are Democratic assembly districts. Most of them, you know what ethnic group dominated? Asians. The Asian assembly districts that have Democratic representation at every level, Congress, Senate, Assembly, they voted for Curtis uh, because there's frustration with things like uh, doing away with the specialized testing and so forth. The Russian community in Brooklyn um, and other parts of the state voted for Curtis. We've seen elements of the Orthodox Jewish community. That's not as overtly partisan as we've seen their voting patterns in recent years, but we've seen elements of the Orthodox Jewish community vote for conservatives and Republicans. So I do think a Republican has a chance because Trump actually did better in 2020 than George W. Bush did, excuse me, George H.W. Bush did in 92. What happened two years after 1992? What happened the year after 92? You saw Rudy Giuliani get elected. What happened two years after 92? You saw the Republicans win Every single statewide office, with the exception of the controller's office. They won everything else. Governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, U.S. Senate, they won it all. So um, this notion that the Republicans all just disappeared, I think, is faulty. And, you know, this crime issue is real. And uh, the perception, the political perception of the crime issue is real. And this is the last comment I'll make because I think it's interesting. And then I want to uh, invite you to, you know, comment. We are seeing uh, we saw uh, there are now three open congressional seats on Long Island. You have the Lee Zeldin seat, which is open because he's running for governor. You have Kathy Hochul's seat, which is open because she's mysteriously decided not to run for reelection. We don't know exactly what she's going to do. And you have the Tom Swazi seat that's open because he's running for governor. You can't run for both in New York. There are some other states where you can't. Now, there's a firestorm of Democrats that want to run for that seat. Rob Zimmerman. You might have seen him on Fox. You might have heard him on other you know shows over the years. You have uh, Melanie Diarigo, John Kaifman, Josh uh, LaFazen. These are all declared Democrats. Rima Rassel. And there's one other candidate that people are calling the most radical leftist in the group of Democrats running. Alessandra Biagi. Now, does that name sound familiar to you? It may because she's a state senator. It may also sound familiar to you because she is the granddaughter of former conservative Democratic congressman, disgraced conservative Democratic congressman, Mario Biagi. Mario Biagi, who was something of a legend 
in the Bronx. He th- was her grandfather. But Alessandra has very different political views. Now, the reason that uh, that that name sounds familiar to me is because Alessandra Biaggi was my intern here at this radio station in 2005. She was the an intern for a, a radio show that I was producing at that time, a little show you might have heard of called The Curtis and Kuby Show. And who was the co-host of The Curtis and Kuby Show? Curtis Sliwa. Well, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the leader of the Nassau County Republican Party has met with Curtis Sliwa and asked him to run for Congress from this seat. And Curtis has now said publicly that he's considering it because he's afraid that Biagi could win and he finds her views on policing dangerous. So as a WAB, a longtime WABC person, I am watching this race. First of all, as a, as a political junkie, I'm watching it because it's very interesting to see if Curtis can make this race competitive if he, if he ends up running. I mean, can you imagine Curtis Lewa in the House of Representatives with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Marjorie Taylor Greene? I mean, they wouldn't they would have to stop broadcasting House of Representative meetings on C-SPAN and start broadcasting them on pay-per-view. I mean, that would be worth the price of admission. But to me, aside from the political junkie aspect of it, as a WABC person, to see Curtis running against his former intern, a woman who used to um, answer Curtis's email and make copies of uh, of the articles that Curtis was reading for the uh, the court of Kubi. That would be really something. I don't know of any other instance of there's been a lot of radio talk show people that have run for office over the years. Uh, Barry Farber, uh, uh, you know, uh, Curtis, obviously, there's been, uh, Jesse Ventura, Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, the list goes on and on. But Malachi McCourt, I don't know of a single instance of a radio talk show host running for office against his own former intern. So I thought I had seen everything in New York politics. But if this race comes to fruition, a Sliwa versus Biagi race for New York's third congressional district, that will be a first from what I've seen. And I'm curious whether you're a Curtis fan or not. Do you think Curtis should end up running for that seat? Obviously, he'd probably need to leave the radio again. But would it be worth it? For him to have a shot at being in Congress. All right. I've talked enough. Uh, The rest of the hour is yours, except for when we do the Chronicles of Carter, where I apparently have to say something, even though I am not a chronicler nor Carter. So I'll have to think of something interesting to say. 800-848-9222. Let me say, let me try again with Jim in Queens. We'll see if uh, he's come in from the cold uh, like, uh, like James Bond or the spy of your choice. Jim, hello. In from the cold, yeah. It's, in the real time, it's called Rockaway. So I was out, and I thought I could make it before you got on. Anyway, yeah, I think the obviously Republican wins because Republicans have won in the past. Um, and I think it would be a guy who people know, and everybody seems to know about Zeldin, his background, his military background. He's a SEAL. Hard to run against the SEAL. And this guy might be a gift from Soros. Who knows? I don't know anything about the guy Wilson. I don't trust him. So um, he would say the right things. Why would he say the wrong things? How can I believe him? I don't know him.
Well, I mean, so my... uh, again, I, I don't know him either. I just know his record. And just for the record, uh, Lee Zeldin was not a Navy SEAL. He was in the Army. Uh, and, uh, again, I'm not taking anything away from his Army service. He was a uh, second lieutenant, I believe, in the Army and served in the uh, Military Intelligence Corp. Uh, but uh, a, a brave guy, decorated uh, veteran, uh, but uh, was – and I think rose all the way up to be a lieutenant colonel. But there, I, I know if there are Navy SEALs listening – being a Navy SEAL is a totally different level, totally different. Uh, and again, I'm not taking away from any, anything from Lee Selden. Stan is in Forest Hills. Hello, Stan. Good evening. Uh, let's get something straight here. Oh, uh, good. Okay. I mean, what I'm hearing, uh, there's one guy who has solid name recognition that ain't on that list. None of them will win. And there's only, but he's been retired. And that's Peter King. I think he would be the best shot. But to get him out of retirement to do it would be tough. He could win. And I'm a Democrat. And I like Peter King. I don't agree with I would vote for him. And because of the way things are going, there will be a percentage of Democrats that will vote Republican. But they ain't going to vote for Andrew Giuliani. That's like spitting in one's face. Nobody wants that. But I think if they can get Peter King to get out of the you know retirement seat – and do it. I think he could win and win reasonably well. Really, I don't see. Uh, and he I won't. Know, he won't. By the way, yeah, no, I know Pete King uh, pretty well, and I don't see any scenario. I mean, the convention is is uh, a week from now. Uh, petitioning starts right after that. I don't see any way, uh, e- even if you had, uh, you know, I don't know, Jesus Christ uh, himself asking Peter King to make the run. I don't see any scenario that Pete runs for governor. I know, but I think he had the best shot to run. I think he would run. Curtis has no shot. Well, he's not talking about running for governor. He's talking no, about no, running for Congress. No, no, because he's a carpetbagger. How are they going to – they'll go against it. He's not from Long Island. Well, well, are going to move to Long Island well, all of a sudden? Come no, on. no. And uh, first of all, uh, the district includes Queens also. But um, the in New York, in the, under the U.S. Constitution, you actually don't need to live in your district to run for Congress. You just have to live in the state. And say what you want about Curtis Lewa, he does live in the state of New York. There's a lot of things you can say about Curtis. He does live in the state of New York. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 800-848-9222. Elena is in Teaneck, New Jersey. Hello, Elena. Hello. It was a pleasure to hear your voice off schedule. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. I have a thought to share, and it's not about any particular person. It's about our elections and uh, the public and their knowledge of voting independent, Democrat, or Republican. I don't think that the general population has enough knowledge that only in the primary must you vote your registration. Other than that, you can cross party lines. And I don't think that is made known to most voters. I vote the I am on the election board. I deal with voters and I notice that most people think just because they're registered Democrat, they have to vote Democrat. Well, I, I don't know that it, most people think that, Elena, but many do. In fact, many, uh, many. there have been many cases, and thanks for the call, where I've been campaigning for uh, third-party candidates that are running in Democratic communities, and uh, including liberal third-party candidates. And I would reach out to a, a Democratic voter, and I hate to say this, but it happens primarily with the elderly. Um, and... I'll say, you know, I want you, I'm asking you to vote for so-and-so. 
And they'll say, oh, I know so-and-so. He helped my son. He's done so much good for the community. He gave out uh, turkeys at Thanksgiving. Um, uh, Okay, great. I said, but you got to understand, he's running on the Liberal Party line or the Independent Party line. And they'll say, well, I'm a Democrat. I said, I know, but uh, for whatever reason, he's not the Democratic nominee. He's the Liberal Party nominee. And they say to me, and more than one person has said this to this person's point, isn't that illegal? Now, I think we are seeing some changes in voter attitudes uh, because if you look at – so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think uh, that's an important thing for politicians to get across to voters is that you can vote for someone in any party irrespective – of how you're registered. Mario is in Brooklyn. Hello, Mario. Hello, Frank. Um, my interest is like uh, the voters of New York State having the ability to recall candidates, you know, whether they be district attorneys, um, whatever. It, how does the public go about getting a recall? Into the law in New York State. Is there any uh, Mario, way that is a wonderful question, and it's something I've been for for a long time, and it's something to his credit, and uh, that uh, that Andrew Giuliani has been for. I'm going to tell you exactly how it would transpire when we do the Chronicles of Carter, because I don't have anything else for the Chronicles of Carter. If this is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. I mean, this is the Dominic Carter show. Straight ahead. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. These are the Chronicles of Carter. I'm Frank Morano in for Dominic Carter. Uh, My own program, The Other Side of Midnight, starts at 1 a.m. So Mario in Brooklyn asked a wonderful question, which is what would need to be done to get recall in the state of New York? Now, the unfortunate reality is, Mario, It is incredibly unlikely that this would ever happen because, unfortunately, the people that you'd need to implement recall in New York State are the very people that have benefited from the system the way it is. Now, Andrew Giuliani had a big press conference calling for New York voters to have that option of recall. But what would need to happen is you'd actually need a constitutional amendment. That's pretty difficult in New York. The way you get a constitutional amendment is two separate legislatures have to vote for um, a, a proposed amendment, and then the voters need to approve it. So the state legislature would need to vote this year, both houses, and then the state legislature would need to vote again next year, the new legislature. And then after that, they put it on the ballot before the voters, and the voters would have to approve it. Now, unfortunately... New Yorkers on a statewide level don't have the right to initiative and referendum. If you you lived in Arizona or California or a host of other states around the country, you could simply collect petitions and get this on the ballot yourself. Unfortunately, you can't in New York. And that has been my modus operandi throughout the last 20 years that I've spent in New York politics. Political reform giving voters the the power, giving voters the power of initiative and referendum, uh, giving voters the power of recall. And that's something that I think would be transformative in New York State. Unfortunately, New York doesn't have it. The uh, If you want to get rid of a district attorney, for instance, I know Mario mentioned that, 
The governor can do that. The governor can present the district attorney with charges and remove that person. However, that has never happened in the state of New York. No district attorney has ever been removed. They've been removed from certain cases. For instance, Governor Pataki removed uh, death penalty cases from the Bronx DA, Robert Johnson, and appointed a special prosecutor. But you've never seen a DA removed by the governor. And I don't think it's going to happen with uh, Kathy Hochul. I don't think she's going to be the first. Um, You have seen other public officials removed. The most noteworthy example, those of you that are fans of musical theater may remember the, the play Fiorello. Gentleman Jimmy Walker was removed uh, by the governor at that time, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, after the Seabury hearings. He, they appointed this judge, Judge Seabury, to chair these hearings investigating the allegations about corruption surrounding Tammany Hall. And they recommended to the governor that uh, Gentleman Jimmy Walker be removed. And then I think when it was clear Roosevelt was going to remove him, I think at that point... Uh, gentleman Jimmy Walker simply resigned. But that was the closest that we've had in the last hundred years to a major elected official being removed by the governor. 800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Maria in Manhattan. Hello, Maria. Hi. I'm so happy to hear you, John. I hear your program every night. Thank you. I'm actually Frank, though. I don't know who this John guy is, but he's lucky to have you as a listener. Okay, let me no, John. Yeah, you are young. No, I'm I'm still Frank. Oh, okay. Listen, um, sorry. To I have my I have my um, I vote for Sliwa. I think that he could try to run for governor. Now, my second choice is Andrew Giuliani. Why name recognition? When Cuomo won, he was based on his father's name recognition. Now, Rudra Giuliani was and is the best, in my opinion, the best mayor we ever had. I, I certainly agree with that. Crime. Well, yes, the problem we have is with crime, and Giuliani proved that he cleaned New York City of crime, of pornography, and he improved the quality of life. His son seems to be following his father. You're, you're, you're right, Maria, and it's a great point that you made, and thanks for the call, comparing the benefit that Andrew Cuomo enjoyed from Mario Cuomo's name recognition with Rudy Giuliani and Andrew Giuliani. That's a very important point, and it's one I didn't mention. And we've seen other politicians benefit from that in the past. Susan Molinari certainly benefited from her father, Guy Molinari's name recognition. Peter Vallone Jr. and Paul Vallone certainly benefited from their father, Peter Vallone's name recognition. Pedro Espada Jr. and uh, Pedro Espada Sr., same thing. We've seen this time and again, uh, is these political dynasties set up where it does help to have the last name of uh, a popular politician. Mike's in Queens. Hello, Mike. Yes, first of all, this guy, Governor Wilson, running, uh, wanting to run for uh, governor, I think a lot of people know more about Wilson, the volleyball from Castaway, than this guy, Wilson. So I don't think he has a chance. Well, Mike, um, and I'll let you make the rest of your point. But you got to understand, $12 million when when Lee Zeldin, who's been campaigning for a year, has $5 million. $12 million in one day, it buys you a ton of name recognition. He is going to blanket the radio and TV airwaves like no candidate that you've seen since Mike Bloomberg. Well, Kathy, I call her Kathy Woke All, uh, is probably up to about 30 million right now. Oh, and by the way, 
Uh, Eric Adams got uh, he got elected with 70 percent, 70 percent of the of the registered voters in New York City. Only 24 percent turned out. So you have about 83 percent of the registered voters who did not vote for Eric Adams and do not vote in general. Who is the high energy candidate? Frankie, help us out. Who's going to be the high energy Trump Jr.? to run in New York State, because, I mean, I'm scared to death of uh, Kathy Woke all getting elected, God well, forbid. Anyway, and, great and the, show. I'll listen off the air. Thank you, Mike. And the numbers you cite are accurate, uh, but the thing that you have to keep in mind is that if you include eligible voters, it's an even lower number. The number of eligible voters that made Eric Adams mayor is infinitesimally small. Now, we don't elect politicians based on the level of voter turnout, and you wonder if there was a none of the above option on the ballot, if that would increase voter turnout. I've always thought it would. It would. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Jeff is in Suffolk County, Lee Zeldin land. Hello, Jeff. How you doing, Frank? Hang I'm on. down in the Bronx right now. You know that I'm going to work. Uh, I, I just don't see Republican winning because there's just too much graft and it's just too much for people to lose i mean there's too many unions blah 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 and republicans are going to come in and put all these people out of work i mean look through the phone book new york state thing is like 15 pages Uh, so you 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 see no scenario in which any republican whether it's giuliani zeldin astorino uh wilson or somebody else you see no scenario in which one of them can win statewide not, not with the police reform thing around. I mean, it's going to be brutal. It's brutal. I don't care how much money you have. Right. The guy's not Trump. And I, I really don't trust him because, well, he's kind of like Trump because he, you know, he likes all the Democrats. And well, not all, all of things, them, but... Uh, just a couple. But, but yeah, your, your point's well taken. He, you know, Trump, uh, the argument that Trump made, and Palladino made the same argument when he ran 12 years ago, was that when you're a business guy, you have to be somewhat transactional. You have relationships across the aisle. It helps to have access to these politicians by giving them a uh, a contribution. Thank you, Jeff. I want to squeeze in a few more calls before we run out of time. Rocco is in Suffolk County. Hello, Rocco. Yes, I'm out here in the uh, 1st Congressional District, and Congressman Zeldin has been fabulous, absolutely fabulous, and and I, I hope he becomes our next governor of the state of New York so he can make New York the empire state that it should and could be. Uh, Frank, I'd also like to give you news. Uh, I just read an Instagram. Nick LaLota is uh, running for Congressman Zeldin's seat, and he's an Annapolis graduate. He had three overseas deployments as a naval officer, and he's currently a elections commissioner. And he says that uh, he's working hard to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. You know, it's funny. I I, uh, I know Nick Lalota a little bit. When I was doing a show on uh, Talk Radio 107.1, he was a regular guest, a very smart guy, and someone that uh, could have won the state senate seat two years ago. But he was thrown off the ballot because of New York's arcane election laws. So uh, I don't know the other candidates that are running, but, um, you know, he'd certainly probably have my support if I was in the district. 800-848-9222. Bobby and Montclair, uh, they don't want me to take your call, which, of course, makes me want to take it. Why are you so controversial? Why don't they want me taking your call? Who, me? Yeah. Well, it's controversial, I guess. It involves my question about John Katz-Batidis, who is endorsing... Kathy Hochul for governor, and I'm wondering, since he goes on the air every day and says we need no cash bail reform and we need a crackdown on crime, 
Why is he endorsing Kathy Wokokel? Well, I think for starters, I don't think he's endorsed her. Uh, he has contributed to her, but I believe he's contributed to Lee Zeldin and probably some of the other candidates as well. Look, when you're a business uh, person in New York, as Donald Trump has said, as Andrew Cuomo has said, not Andrew Cuomo, Carl Palladino, Harry Wilson, you deal with all these politicians and you develop relationships across the board. When you're a billionaire, to give someone $1,000 or $2,000 it's the equivalent of me giving uh, a homeless guy I pass on the street 50 cents from my morning coffee. I wouldn't read too much into it. In fact, if um, the fact that John Katsimatidis has a relationship with Kathy Hochul is a wonderful thing for the state of New York. Because if she listens to him at least even a little bit, that will provide her with a window into the common sense views of New Yorkers that are on the station regularly that uh, she might not be missing. So I, that actually that actually makes me feel pretty good that uh, John and uh, Kathy Hochul have a relationship. Let me say hello to Max in Port Washington. Hello, Max. Hey, Frank. Um, I, I know you said Curtis may, may run for congressional seat. Well, I haven't Long said Island it. I haven't said it. He has said it. And the chairman oh, of the okay. Nassau County Republican Party has said it. I haven't said it. Okay. Those guys have said it. In fact, I was specifically told not to mention it. And then, of course, these two come out mentioning it publicly. Okay, but uh, I've listened to Curtis for 30 years. And Eric Adams called him a buffoon, and I really, really like Curtis. But that's kind of what he is. He's kind of, no one takes him seriously because he, he, he's like a clown. He's entertainment. He, he's, never, he, he's not a politician. And I, I, want, I want to say something else to you. Well, just do it in 20 um, seconds, though, listen, Max, because we're almost out of time. Okay. I used to listen to Michael Savage, and he says uh, liberalism is a mental disorder. And I agree. I, I wonder, why do you guys – like, what makes you vote these policies, and why isn't crime – I just don't understand your thinking, or not you particularly, but liberals on crime. Why do they vote the way they do? Well, uh, Max, I think that's a tougher question than I can answer in the remaining 20 seconds of the show. But um, call back on Friday morning when we do Ask Frank Anything. All right, well, I guess I'm going home. Oh, no. I'm going to stick around for four more hours and do the other side of midnight. Hey, if you're interested in space, if you have questions about space or uh, astronomy or anything like that, you are in luck. And you can call with questions for the one and only Dr. Sky. He is a fan favorite, probably our most popular guest. Give us a call, 800-848-9222. The other side of midnight to be continued.